Ecclesiastes 3 says our hearts have eternal holes in them. Like our hearts were made for eternity. And so the only thing that can actually satisfy the greatest desires that we have is Christ himself. Mm -hmm. That's how we were made. We were made with desires that are neutral. And so if we, if we can, by God's grace, put them on him, mm -hmm. and our greatest desire is him, then it reframes people and things and the world for us so that we can leverage those things for His kingdom instead yeah. of use them or consume them yeah. for ours. Well, welcome to the Movement Podcast. My name is Paul, and I get to serve Crosspoint as the online pastor. And here on the Movement Podcast, I get to sit down with Josh and Becca, who lead our content team, and we dive in really deep into James chapter 4, and we talk about how to live out our faith practically and jump off some of the things that David uh, Nasser shared with us this past Sunday. So if you missed his message, you're gonna wanna go to crosspoint.tv slash watch now to check that out. I hope that you enjoy this. I hope that it inspires you and encourages you to grow in your faith. We're in James chapter four. Well, uh, as we were kind of digging into this chapter, it just made a whole lot of sense for us to do a little bit of a recap. Yeah. Um, and so just uh, David did such a good job of just adding some more layers of understanding and context to, to James and who he's writing to. And so he's talking to Jewish Christians that are scattered. And as David said, uh, he's, he's reminding them who they are in Christ and that their behavior should be a result of who they are. Yeah. Um, and understanding that that this is a piece of kind of the puzzle that changes the conversation and and um, and that for th for them that they were I love the little piece that he drew out those that they were merchants oh, that yeah. they they were like they were like business leaders you know that they were business missionaries launched all over to go and share the gospel and point people in this direction and um, and I, I think that if you just study the book of James kind of in its just on its own without understanding the full picture of the thread of the gospel that's weaved all throughout scripture. Yeah. You might miss really the, the deep dive right. that James has given these believers. You know, he's given them a master's degree in how to live out their faith, yeah, you know? For sure. um, and so he's going just beyond the surface level for them. And so I, I just think it's been a great reminder of uh, there's some themes of repentance that comes up, you know, and, and repentance is, is one of those kind of churchy words that we, <laughs> right. we you know, we throw around, but it, it means to literally turn from your ways and move towards God's ways, yeah. to turn the direction that you're going in and turn and, and go the opposite. Um, and then another kind of phrase, that kind of word that kind of kept coming up that I'd love for us to kind of talk through a little bit is uh, sanctification. Oh, yeah. You know, what what does that mean? You know, that's, that's one of those words that we throw out there that, um, you know, you see when you read scripture. Scripture, you know, like what? What does that actually mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah it's a great, it's a great word. Um, sanctification is a uh, so part of the way the Bible describes salvation, and uh, the way the Bible describes salvation is past, present, and future. That there's justification, that there's something that God has done in Christ, and then for those who trust Him, He declares them righteous. That's mm. being justified or justification in the sight of God sanctification. Well, the, then the future part of that is called glorification, meaning that when believers see Christ, they will be conformed into his image perfectly at that point. Mm -hmm. The the real First uh, John 3 says, when we see him, we'll be like him because we'll see him as he is. 
So that's the that's like what happens at the conversion moment with justification, and then the future of glorification where it's all going. And so all the time <laughs> in between is sanctification, <laughs> the hard stuff, right? right? <laughs> and so that is a word that literally means uh, uh, consecration, being mm. set apart, set apart. Yeah. And so this idea of being made holy. And so the way the guy that discipled me, he would always say is like, Josh, sanctification then is becoming who God has already declared you to be. Ooh, there you go. And, and I love that. That's, that's helped phrase this in my mind and heart for like, man, because that helps take bad things. It helps take hard things. It helps take good things. And, and they're all in this process in God's hands of forming me to be more like Jesus. Mm, that's good. Yeah. I think I think of it as like a maturing in Christ. Oh yeah. And there you go. There's. You, you've never arrived mm-hmm. until you're face-to-face with Jesus, as you yeah. just said. So it's that knowing that no matter where you are in your walk with the Lord, there's always more. Yeah. The Bible is alive and active, and so it's letting the Word transform you. So. Yeah, that's it. It's like that refining right. process, and there's so many different layers that we all— uh, we all need to work on, right? Yeah. Every one of us, nobody's perfect. Everybody right. has something to work on and grow. And and there's that refinement in our life that is sanctification. That's us becoming more and more like Jesus, you know, right. from the nineties, the, what would Jesus do <laughs> bracelet, you know, but I mean, but really that's what it is that our goal is that we're, we're working towards becoming more like him. And I think James does a great job of drawing out some of those pieces oh, yeah. Yeah. that uh, I know I need to work on on a daily basis, you yeah. know. Um, and one of those things that he draws out is is our desires, is yeah. how do we deal with our desires? And what, what does he mean about um, our desires that battle within us there in, in the fir- very first part of James mm-hmm. chapter 4? What do you think he means by that? Man. So when he says in uh, chapter four, verse one, what ca- what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. There's that word again. Mm-hmm. So there's three. There's two words at play here. There's passions and desire. I'm reading from the ESV, so some, some may have uh, different words there. But the two words that are at work are um, edne, uh, which is what mine's translated as passions. What, does, does yours have something else? Mine says desires. Yeah, mine says desires. So yours yeah. says desires, yeah. And then in verse 2, it says you desire and do not have. Is that what yours says? Is mm-hmm. it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that word is epithumia. So there's two epithumia. different... Epithumia. <laughs> right? So there's two different words at play here. Um, the first one, edne, is where we get our word hedonism from. Mm. So this kind of like unbridled pursuit of pleasure. Mm. And and behind that is typically for things like food and money and sex and power. Mm. Yeah. And so he says, what causes quarrels and fights among you? Isn't it because your passions for these things are at war within you? Mm. And so mm. that's why we fight each other because we we're trying to get those things from each other yeah. um, and using each other for those things. And so that, that takes a bit of a negative connotation. It says you desire and do not have that word is a bit more neutral. Yeah. Mm. And so you have these things going on in your heart of like, uh, des- I mean, desires are, are, are morally neutral from what's in. So I, I want to make that clear. But what happens is what is it getting located on? Yeah. And if it's getting located on things that were not built to satisfy those desires, particularly eternally, mm-hmm. then we'll exhaust the thing or we'll exhaust the people or we'll crush the people. And he says, that's what's causing these quarrels and fights among you is you've got some jacked up 
things going on in your heart yeah. that needs mm. to be dealt with. You mean I can't just like listen to my heart, do what my heart <laughs> <Right>. says? <laughs> so I mean, mean, I know that's what a lot of movies have <laughs> yeah. said. Over the years. It's a good Disney movie, you know? <laughs> I think it's also interesting. Like I, I can't read that portion without also remembering the end of chapter three, talking about the two types of wisdom and oh, yeah. the oh. way that he describes the wisdom of the world that's is good. selfish ambition in your hearts. And so it's like the and bitter envy. And so it's if you look at the the fruit of selfish ambition and bitter envy, it's quarrel. And so it's like getting at the motivation of your heart. Mm. Um yeah, and th- those just it I mean, he says it's demonic. So it's like pretty strong language. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I just I think that it's what he's really asking, like you said, like the desire itself is neutral, but it's what's the motivation of the desire? Mm. What's the root of your desire. Mm-hmm. And that's the trick. The trick is the enemies of God will, they know that. Yeah. And so they go after those things. They dangle things in front of right. us or um, they play off of those things knowing that our flesh is is weak in many yeah. ways. Um, that's not an excuse, but that's just a reality. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so that's the, that's where, temp, you know, we talked about this maybe the first week on mm-hmm. temptations and mm-hmm. this is, this is legit temptation. The temptations are, what are the, what do you want? Yeah. Well, yeah. that's where temptation comes from. That's it. That's it. Well, I, I think there is some tension there with our desires. Cause we, we know like <laughs> we can't really trust our heart, <laughs> you know what right. I mean? Like, um, and, and to know that like I, the spirit of God is guiding me. Um, and when I have a desire, how do I know that that desire is from God? Mm. How do I know that that desire is what God, God's best is for me? Mm-hmm. Like even if, and it's really easy to know a bad thing from a good thing, you know what right. I mean? Like, but it's really two good things when you're looking at two really good desires. Um, you know, I remember one of my first, one of those kind of decisions I had to make was, uh, when I was growing up was where do I go to college? I had two really good choices to go to mm. and yeah. I could not figure out what, what am I supposed to do? Yeah. I've got two really great choices in front of me. God, what do you want me to do? You know? Um, but to know that those desires are from God or are they from me? Um, and I, I'd, I'd love for us to, yeah. you know, maybe if there's some things that are helpful that, that you guys have, yeah. um, gone through and helping you to test your desires, you know, and know, man, is this a godly thing or is this something that's just my selfish ambition that I want to get something out of? Yeah. I feel like there's a lot of freedom in knowing that our hearts are bent towards the self. Like Mm -hmm. it's, if you know that you can combat that Mm -hmm. and like you can, you can invite the Holy Spirit to help shape the desires of your heart. I think I actually said this last week, but Psalm 139, like, Lord, search my heart and know me. It's a very scary prayer to pray. But mm. at the same time, like, how else are you going to test your desires right. or else yeah. it's going to come out sideways when you you make the wrong decision yeah. or a decision that is out of selfish motivation? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So yeah. what would you say? I'll just piggyback on that. I think... Um, Doing like assessing that relationally is the most important thing Mm -hmm. because so, for instance, like in your example, two you got two good decisions. You know, if you've got two good decisions at the end of the day, if it's not sinful, Mm -hmm. if it's not unwise, then make one, just choose one. Mm -hmm. Because there's Proverbs like I think chapter 16 has a few verses like this, but I know one of them says like commit your ways to the Lord Mm -hmm. and he will establish your steps. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's an that's a 
wisdom principle that says, you know, that helps you in those kinds of moments where you feel stuck, yeah. particularly with two good decisions. Now, if it's a, if it's a decision between uh, something good and something sinful, that's one that's going to require, um, you know, those are the ones that are really strong. Those, mm-hmm. the, the desires of the flesh are really strong in that. And so that's where, you know, how can you discern those things? Well, the word of God is, was given to us in many ways for that reason. Right. Mm-hmm. And so continuing to dig in and read scripture with God, with the body of Christ, that's going to help download more and more, more and more framework, more and more framework, more and more framework to help assess when we get in situations and understand, is this from God or is this from <laughs> the enemies of God? Right. Yeah. That's it. That's good. That's good. I, um, when we we were talking earlier this week, the, um, a resource came up, um, particularly about your desires. Um, Josh, you mind sharing a little bit about that that resource that you were you were talking through? Yeah. So there was a there was a Puritan pastor named uh, Thomas Chalmers, I believe. Thomas Chalmers or Thomas Watson. It's one of those. Um, <laughs> it's one of the Toms. Uh, but they were talking about this very thing, and he has a book called "The Expulsive Power of a Greater Affection." Because if you just try to change your behavior, but you don't actually go after the affections, what's going to eventually emerge is the things that your heart is really going after. Yeah. And so you can put like a a willpower fence up for maybe two or three months. Mm-hmm. That might get you two or three months. Mm-hmm. But if there's nothing driving that desire, then all you've done is just stiff-armed your desire for just a little bit. Yeah. And then what ends up happening is you go back to the thing, and it's oftentimes worse than when it when you stop. Yeah. yeah. And so what he's saying, no, the only thing that can actually change not only your behavior, but change your heart in this is to have a greater affection. Mm-hmm. And Ecclesiastes 3 says our hearts have eternal holes in them. Like our hearts were made for eternity. And so the only thing that can actually satisfy the greatest desires that we have is Christ himself. Mm-hmm. That's how we were made. We were made with desires that are neutral. And so if we, if we can, by God's grace, put them on him. Mm-hmm and our greatest desire is Him, then it reframes people and things and the world for us so that we can leverage those things for His kingdom instead of use them or consume them for ours. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like the, I mean, Jesus says, ask anything in my Father's name and it will be granted to you. If you're asking God for a greater desire for Him, (laughs) He's going to answer that prayer. Wow. Yeah. You know, like... (laughs) If you got to that point, right? right? I think so often I I think of like desires just in my own life is like, there's like these surface level desires that are the easiest to act on. And it's like success and money and comfort, but it's like, there's always the underlying desire knowing that like those things are not going to bring me the eternal satisfaction. So it's like, pray the prayer of Lord, help me desire you more. I mm. want to want you more. Help yeah. me to want you more. That's good. And I think in that in that first couple of uh, that first paragraph there, he's he kind of has two buckets where it's it feels like he's talking about uh, your desires with your influence with people and also mm. your desire for the stuff that you have and the things that you acqu- uh, acquire and having those desires. There's two different ways to have. Uh, that are kind of pictures in front of us. There's the way of the world, and then there's the way of following the Spirit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so what does it, he uses this phrase, uh, what does it mean to be a friend of the world? What do you think that that phrase means that James is trying to get across to his uh, his audience and trying to get across to us is what, what does it mean to be a friend of the world? Yeah, man, that's a great question. Uh, 
So the way the world is set up in the Bible a lot of times is there's a couple of different ways. So God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Mm -hmm. right? So mm -hmm. that's that's speaking of the world in such a way that it is um, the totality of people and in some respects all of creation. Um, because all of creation is a part of the salvation project that God's doing. Then there's the way that the world talks about just the physical world itself, create like trees and land, etc. But then there's a third way the Bible talks about the world, and that's this way. And in other passages as well, like 1 John 2, it talks about there's, there's like this demonic world system that is ruling in some respects and uh, kind of how everything is happening. Yeah. And so it's playing off of the end of chapter three, where there's earthly demonic and spiritual wisdom, air mm -hmm. quotes, you know, mm -hmm. air quotes. Um, and so that's the way he's talking about it. He says, and so if you make friendship with the world, there's a way to get those kinds of things in the world. Right. Right. There's a way that you can manipulate people. You can stiff arm people. You can strong arm them. You can stand on top of them or you can whatever. And you can consume and you can gather just for yourself. There's a way to go about doing all of that. But to make friendship with the world is actually to be an enemy of God. Mm. Man. I, I read in the message version preparing for this and it said it's like cheating on God. <laughs> like I can't remember the actual, what it actually said, but. Yeah. And David kind of hit on yes, that a little bit. Yeah, yeah. David totally used that metaphor. It's like the metaphor of your spouse being the Lord, which we are, you know, the bride. Mm -hmm. um, it's like, that's your first love. And so when you are being a friend with the world, you're basically being like, I'm, I'm going to choose this today. Yeah. Um, and it's like, when you like in marriage, your spouse is the one that knows you the best. It's a different kind of love. It's a, it's a love where you're fully known and you know that person fully, but then adultery is like a, like you, it's, it's not as nearly as satisfying because it's, you're not known. It's not love, you know, you're just giving into these fleshly desires. And so I think of that as friendship with the world of like, you're taking a lesser version of what God's already given you. Yeah. Yeah. And in uh, verse five, it says, or do you think scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? Um, you know, that, that he's jealous mm -hmm. for that. Yeah. Like he gave us the spirit, his spirit to live in us. And he's jealous that we would replace it with anything else, yeah. Yeah. that we would be a friend with the world um, in a way that our desires are worldly desires and they're not the desires of the spirit that lives in us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that tension that's there. Um, so that the, that God's jealous. I mean, what, what is that? Whenever you hear that phrase, you know, like what, what comes to your mind when you hear something like that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the word jealousy has oftentimes has negative connotations that it's a, that it's envy or jealousy is a bad thing. I want what that person wants, or I'm jealous of what that person has or, or who they are or whatever. And that's the negative connotations. That's not the way that's being used here. Mm -hmm. um, it's more like what you said that there's like, I'm jealous for my wife's affection. You know, I'm jealous for, and, and if that was getting put anywhere else, right. then my jealousy is, that's actually a good thing because right. it's an expression of my, my, my love for her um, mm. and vice versa. Right. And so that's the kind of, and so when God causes somebody to be saved and that's what he says, he says that like, he has made this spirit to dwell in us. Mm -hmm. And so when he goes and think about how that had to happen, he mm. gave his only son mm. 
like his greatest treasure, he offered him as a sacrifice so that someone might could come into his family and be born again to a living hope. And then he gives you the spirit. And so he yearns jealousy over that because yeah. he's like, man, that's that's the greatest thing I can give you is myself. Yeah. It's a righteous Hey, jealousy. whenever you're jealous for something, whenever we feel jealousy rise up, this just hit me, is that it probably is revealing something that you love. Mm. Yeah. You know, like if if I'm jealous for my wife's affection and she gives it to somebody else and I get upset about it, it's because I love my wife. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, same thing when my f- my friend buys a boat <laughs> and I'm jealous over their boat. Yeah. It's probably because I love money. Yeah. Right. Or I love boats. Boats. <laughs> Look at me. I'm on a to, boat. You know, maybe. maybe our, the previous topic, that's a good way to check your motivation, mm, too. It's mm-hmm. like, well, what makes my heart go? Yeah, that's right. right. Maybe <laughs> I'm jealous. Maybe it's because my love is yeah. not towards Jesus. My love is towards something of this world. Yeah. Yeah. And so God looks at that and he, and he says, hasn't, I mean, I think James is asking a really good question here. Or do you suppose it's no purpose? The scripture says he yearns jealousy over the spirit. Mm. Like he, he, he's revealed this to him. He's like, man, there's, there's a jealousy of a good jealousy that God is like longing for our affections. He doesn't need it, but he knows it's the greatest thing for us. Yeah. And it's the, it's an aspect of real relationship. Yeah. And I, I think there's there's kind of a um, uh, desire in some of us to like, it's really easy to put our life in different kind of boxes to kind of compartmentalize different parts of my life, my yeah. my family, my work, my, my hobbies, my, you know, I can compartmentalize all those things and be, you know, you can be a different person in each of those situations, mm-hmm. you know, like yeah. you can you can kind of create this life that's all very segmented out. Mm-hmm. And I think James is trying to help us live a very uh, segment, not segmented, but integrated yeah. life that everything is all about letting the spirit guide you and lead you in your life. Um, have you guys had a time in your life where you felt like you had to, um, you had to like really dig in deep on some of these kind of things mm. and go, I need to, I need to bring Jesus into this moment in this decision in this, um, the situation that's going on that I, I just cannot, I'm, it's really easy for me to just say, well, I can just compartmentalize it and put it over here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But where you've had to like integrate it into other parts of your life. And I know that sometimes that's painful, you know, like when you're like crossing over those boundaries where you've created space for that, because it's easier for me to deal with my stuff over here by myself, right. mm-hmm. but to invite somebody else into it. Um, can you guys think of a story that that uh that where that's happened in your life yeah i think for me i mean i became a believer in college and felt all in on jesus um but when i started my career i remember facing this this thing that i wasn't really prepared for where i grew up in a town and a family where success was just really important and Mm. it was kind of like all i knew like it was like you go to college and you get a job that pays really well and like what you have is a reflection of how successful you are. And so I chose ministry <laughs> as my career. Um, but I remember like I I was so aware of the hierarchy in my job and it was like this, I'm at the bottom of the ladder. Why am I not further up on the ladder? And it, it was a, a time where God really had to do some like 
so I had to do some soul searching and God had to do some like refining in my heart of in verse, what is it? Seven, maybe where he, or sorry, 10, where he says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up where I had to be like, okay, God, I'm, I'm handing this over to you because what I have perceived as success is not success in your eyes. And I have to allow you to be the one to elevate me when my character and all of the things that are the integration part of my mm -hmm. life is aligned with yours and I can be trusted with more. But mm -hmm. that's also not something that I need to be striving for because that's not where my value comes from. So yeah. that's a little... Yeah, that's helpful. All over the place. Yeah, because it would be really easy to just compartmentalize your work and go, right. hey, I'm about to get mine. Like yeah. I'm going to go right. and do whatever I can yeah. to to rise to the ranks and and I'm trying to provide for my family. I'm, you know, I'm I'm doing those things. And if you, yeah. you can compartmentalize that and move away from Jesus, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 I mean, I think for me, I, that's happened several times in several different areas over the years. Um <laughs> I came to faith about 11 months into my marriage. I was 24, I believe. And, um, yeah, uh, I can remember about three years in, there was a time I was, I was working at a bank in Georgia and I was doing, I was a loan officer for builders and developers. Uh, I was also building houses on the side, trying to flip some land. I was coaching basketball. I was, uh, recently Christian. So I was also like serving in the church and, different ways and while also trying to be a husband that I've only been married for four years and my second kid was on the way and living in my hometown and being a son and a brother and cousin, you know, and it's like a civic person. And I was <laughs> done, man. Mm. Now I remember being on my face one morning reading and I just happened to be in John 10 that morning. And John 10, uh, Jesus says, the enemy comes to steal, kill and destroy, but I've come to give you life and life abundant. And I just remember closing my Bible that morning and like hanging my head and saying, Jesus, if that's true, this can't be it. Cause I'm, I'm done. And, uh, there was, I heard two voices at that point. The first one was, uh, the, a, a friend of mine, Ronnie, who helped disciple me and lead me to Christ. He's an old, uh, chicken farmer, pig farmer turned grading contractor turned counselor. And, uh, <laughs> he's awesome, but I can only do it in his voice. He's like, brother, you know what God's address is the end of your rope. <laughs> and I was like, that, that's me. That's me right yeah. now. I'm here. And, but then I really just discerned the voice of the Lord. And it wasn't audible. As mm -hmm. an old preacher, Adrian Rogers said, it's louder than that. He said, Josh, that's because I put you in all these relationships to build my kingdom. And you're still trying to build yours. Mm. And man, that started a work of repentance in my heart that, I mean, continues 16 years later. And, and so I, I, st I stopped building houses, stopped um, coaching basketball started seeing coworkers, started seeing some guys I played basketball with come to faith. Mm -hmm. And it was like my joy meter started just rising wow. and investing in them. And I was like, dang, man, I want to do this the rest of my life. Yeah. Be, be careful what your desires are. <laughs> <laughs> right. But I mean, I think, and I think that's part of it though. It's like the, yeah. the Psalm says, delight yourself mm -hmm. in the Lord mm -hmm. and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we see, I think that's often read as like a, like a, a gumball machine. Yeah, yeah for sure. Do but this yeah. and you'll get this. Mm -hmm. yeah. But, but what we'd miss on that verse is that when you delight yourself in the Lord, guess what? He his, his, his desires begin to become your desires. Yeah. And so guess what? He's going to give you the desires of your heart mm -hmm. because your desires are his now. That's good. That's good. Yeah. I love that. The, when you decompose, when you start pulling it apart. And you start looking at your life and going, is Jesus really in every single part of my life? Yeah. 
you know, and I think that's what James is trying to get them to say. It's like, is Jesus in your business? Is he in yeah. your family? Yeah. Is he in uh, your relationships and your yeah. civic time? You know, is he, yeah. is he in everything that you do? Yeah. Your phone usage. Yeah. Is all of it. That's table? it. Yeah. All of it. Is he, is he in, is he in your future? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, is he in planning your future? Or are you, are you, you know, trying to outrun God? Yeah. You know, and I think, um, David did a lot of, of talk on, um, how do we prepare for the future? You know, what does that look like? And uh, one of the questions that we got from uh, some of our online friends, if you're listening and you guys have questions, please share them with us. We'd love to yeah. answer those questions. Um, and so you can get those to me. You can get those in the chat room on a Sunday. You know, you can come find one of us in the lobby yeah. at one of the campuses and, yeah. and talk to us. We would love to help answer those questions. Um, but one of the questions we got was, how do you hold the tension of planning for the future and not presuming presuming that God is in our plans. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good one. It is a good one. <laughs> it's so funny. I was thinking about this this morning and it's like I am I'm literally like living this right now. <laughs> um so I don't I might not have the answers, but I can tell you my process. Um so Lad and I are we would love to buy a house. Um we live in Nashville and we work in ministry. So there's, there's a thing there. There's Mm -hmm. a a problem without without God's (laughs) intervention. Um, but it's like, as we take steps of meeting with mortgage people and realtors and looking at neighborhoods and just taking all the factors into, um, into consideration, like it's, it's literally like a one step at a time thing where it's like, okay, we're going to move forward because we don't want to be paralyzed, but God, open the right doors and close the right doors. And if, if a door doesn't open, then understood, we get it. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. I think doing that every step of the way and holding things loosely, I think so often the temptation is to control, control, control. Um, and God's just asking us to, to hold our, have open hands Mm. in the decisions that we're making. So that's what I'm trying to do. I think we talked about it earlier, but Proverbs 3, 6 says, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. So I think in, in everything, inviting him into that, um, you can trust. It might not be what you're anticipating, but you can trust that he will guide you. Yeah. Yeah. Just to add to that, uh, I would say which story is shaping the decision. Oh yeah. And is, is this a conversation with the Lord? Yeah. Um, because, I mean, there's a there's ways to buy a house that take uh, into account. I'm um, just to use your analogy yeah. to take into account the mission of God, to mm. take into account hospitality and how we're going to leverage this for His kingdom. And so, thinking about space and and that kind of stuff is in neighborhoods and locations, all of that stuff. And, and it doesn't mean that one neighborhood's better than the other. It's just a matter of what's the motivation behind it and how yeah. will this be offered and leveraged as a uh, as a gift of worship unto the Lord. Mm. And so that's where the invitation comes in of uh, those kinds of things where you begin to think through what are some biblical values? What are some reasons that we would like to do this? Do those line up with scripture? Do they line mm-hmm. up with the Lord? And then inviting him in the process and saying, Lord, refine this. Yeah. Because yeah. I don't think he's saying don't plan for the future. Nope. Right. No. He's not saying that. He's saying, what is the thing beneath the thing? Yeah. Right. What is the desire behind planning for the future? Yeah. You know, is the thing planning for the future is, hey, I want to be able to do ministry for the rest of my life and I don't have to worry about the finances of it. Right. You know, if if that's the thing behind the thing, 
then that's that's a that's a godly desire, right? Yeah. If it's if yeah. it's just so I can go uh, <laughs> retire <laughs> to an island with nobody and just waste right. away the last you know, last 30 years of my life, then that's probably not a godly desire. <laughs> that's that a, a, was that a Belgian right. reference? <laughs> and I think so often we like want our plans to have like this like divine stamp on it. And I think God does that. Mm. But we've also been given the word and like, I mean, go back to Proverbs <laughs> or yeah. just read James because it has so many Proverbs in it. But that's like it. if we're doing things with wisdom, that's what God's asking us to do. So mm, if you're yeah. making plans with wisdom in mind, I think you're probably going to be okay. Yeah, you know, <laughs> that's it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, there's a lot of freedom there. Yeah. yeah, there's a there's a lot of freedom, and so I I do, and I and I'm one who can suffer from decision paralysis, mm. like. Yeah. But I, I, you know, to the point of this text, there's a there's an aspect of pride that is really coming through where you know there's a presumption being made to say, mm. look, I'm going to go and go into this town and I'm going to make a profit. Oh yeah. There you go. I'm going to be the dude. I'm going to be the dude in here. I'm going to make it happen. And mm -hmm. and what James is saying is like, what is your life? Mm. I loved how David drew that out. He's like, what, what is your life? Yeah. yeah. The light, life is a vapor. It's, a vapor. You know, right. that it's just here and gone the next, you yeah. know? And so what do you do to make the most of it? Yeah. And I mean, I've heard, I've heard a couple of stories this week. Mm. There's people who got a diagnosis, like two weeks ago and they're gone. Like they are gone. Like now. And somebody who just a picture of health just gets a just gets a uh a stage four declaration more and might have a, a week left. I mm. mean it's gone. Wow. So life like you can't say, oh here's what I'm good. So it's that it's that mm. presumption yeah. because what that does is that's that's revealing a mentality mm. that I'm the master of my fate. Yeah. And that's a dangerous place to be. That's right. That's it. Thank you guys so much for joining us here on the Movement Podcast. I hope it was encouraging and inspiring. And hey, we'd love to hear from you. You can fill out a survey for us and share some information on how we can help you grow in your faith. You can go to crosspoint.tv slash podcast survey, fill out some information, and we're going to give away a $50 Amazon gift card to a few of you for helping us uh, help you. And so we'd love to hear from you. You can follow us on social media and stay connected with our content there. Uh, we'd love to help you grow in your faith. Um, and actually this next week is gonna be our last movement podcast as we jump into James chapter five. So I hope that you'll join us next week.